Hello, returning happies and new listeners. So this is Steve Bennett Martin. And this is Stephen Martin Bennett. And welcome to A Lifetime of Happiness. The podcast where we take you on our journey through some of the movies, TV shows, and other bits of pop culture that are helping to keep us happy, while hopefully bringing a smile to your face along the way. And today, we're going to clone our pets and make them face off against each other in a battle royale to see which one is superior. You monster, that sounds like a horrible time. Well, you're the one that wanted to cover Pokemon the first movie. Then why don't we just talk about it instead of reenacting it, dear? <sighs> Fine. But first, what's been making you happy, my love? Well, in video game adjacent news, we finished our Super Mario 64 question block from the Lego company. We finished the what? The Super Mario. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. I could have sworn you said Mario. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, we did finish that, and it was fantastic. Yes. Like, it- I love that you get to build a cool, cool mountain. And Bob on Battlefield. Bob on Battlefield. And it had the um, mother penguin and the baby penguin from Cool Cool Mountain. Yeah. And it even had enough parts left over that I was able to build a Luigi. Yes. And of course, it wouldn't be a Mario set if you didn't have your Luigi in it. But yeah, I, th- I think that they did a great job of making it creative because they were considered micro figures that we were building because they weren't even the minifigs that you typically see that are a little more recognizable. So we were like, we're putting these pink and yellow pieces together and we're like i don't know what the heck this is going to be and then you're like oh wait a minute that's princess peach yeah and it was they were, each of the little micro figures were less than half an inch tall yes and it they were really really cute peach's castle was fantastic it even had the pipe that you come out of at the beginning and the little winding path up to the castle and, and the, the camera and the camera that's there floating it was really really well done so if you're a fan of lego And Nintendo, the Super Mario 64 question block is a must-have. Yes, it certainly is, and it will look beautiful on our shelves filled with Lego. Yes, in our whole Lego room. Yes, and what else has been making you happy, dear? So, last night, I finally beat Metroid Dread for the Nintendo Switch. And that's a Metroid game. It is a Metroid game. It is technically Metroid 5, because we had Metroid... Metroid The Return of Samus, Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, and now Metroid Dread. And these are the in-order 2D games. There are also the three Metroid Prime games that take place between 1 and 2. Yes, and that you love very much and you want to have a remaster come to Switch. If Nintendo's listening, please make it happen. Yes, please. And Metroid Dread was absolutely fantastic. Not only was it a gorgeous game, the controls were better than in any Metroid game I've played before. The environments were fantastic. I loved the puzzles. It was all really well done. It was definitely a challenging game, but it was not unfair. And so there's a big difference there that there was no boss that I couldn't beat. Now, some of them took many, many tries before I got it, but... Nothing in there is unbeatable, and it felt like a very fair challenge. Yes, it did. And you only lost like one night, like roaming through it, empty hallways you've already cleared trying to find. It was so bad, and I don't know what was up with me that night. And I I got to a part, and and there was nothing I could do. And I was like, I must have missed um, something earlier on in the game. And no, there were two squares that I should have shot in the floor to fall down. 
And there is a power-up later on where you press the right arrow button, and it will send out, like, an echo thing. And it'll show you where breakable blocks and stuff are. Mm -hmm. I did not have that yet. But it clearly even tells you at the beginning of the game, if you're stuck, Mm -hmm. shoot around the area that you're in. There's always a way to advance. And I don't know what was up with me that night, but... Gone. <laughs> well, luckily it was smooth sailing from there, and you you beat it, and you're ready for the next Metroid game, uh, which will be a while. But with the sales of Metroid Dread, I it sounds like we're going to be getting more Metroid games. Excellent, good to hear. And you know what? Other games we're going to be getting more of real soon. I'm going to be guessing it's Pokemon games for the Nintendo Switch. Yes, we're going to be getting Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl around this time next month. Yes. I'm very excited to revisit the Sinnoh region. Yes, and just so that people are listening, we're recording this in October. You're going to be hearing it in November, and the games do come out in November. Yes, correct. And not only are we going to be revisiting Sinnoh for that game, but in the new year, we're going to have Pokemon Legends Arceus and that, they are releasing new Pokemon forms little by little. They just recently released the one for Zorora and Zororic, and it was really cool the way they, they did it with that found footage video. Yeah. That was rainy and unclear the first time, and you're like, what the fuck? All of a sudden, we're in Pokemon horror, and then, you know, it's not unusual for Pokemon to get a little horrific, yes. as you see in the Pokemon entries, but to see a man flat out straight up die and get killed by two Pokemon was pr- something pretty cool, only to find out that it is the new forms of Zorora and Zorora. And they looked fantastic, too. Yes. So that's been making us happy and inspired me to revisit the first Pokemon movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. That is a 1998 Japanese anime film directed by Kunihiko Yuyumama, the chief director of the Pokemon television series. And if you can't tell by the title, it's the first one. I, You know, I wasn't sure when it was called Pokemon the first movie. If it was the first movie. I know, but can I mean, the, the amount of confidence that they had that it was going to do well and that it would be just the first of many. I mean, obviously, spoiler alert, it was the first of many, 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 many. Yeah. But I mean, can you imagine if every movie that came out that was the first one, they were like, you know, Halloween, <laughs> the first one. Scream, <laughs> the first one. Now, with the other Pokemon movies, are any of them called the second movie? No, after that, they went to more traditional titling. Oh, okay. But this movie is written by Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon, and Takeshi Shudo, a writer from the anime, with the English version's adaptation written by Norman J. Grossfield, who worked as the executive producer for the Pokemon TV series through 2005. Now, I did read that Grossfield took liberties with the translations, purposefully portraying Mewtwo as malicious and, quote, clearly evil, rather than the morally ambiguous one seen in the Japanese version. Yes. In the original movie, he definitely is a pure villain. It was even a little more of a gray area in the Evolution remake. But in the original one, you're like, yeah, Mewtwo's a bad guy. And like they took out any sort of shred of doubt of like the, you know, the fact that he's contemplating his whole existence and having an existential crisis now, and just made him evil. We've had this discussion before that there actually are no evil Pokemon. Yes. It's just bad trainers, correct? Correct. Except that Mewtwo, who never has had a trainer and is a cloned form of another Pokemon, seems to break 
that mold since he's his own trainer. Yes. The only thing I can say is that while he didn't have a trainer, he definitely had humans that influenced him upon his creation. And it was those bad people that ended up leaving that taste in his mouth. So fair enough. Yes. In the movie, the original movie, Ash is voiced by Veronica Taylor. Brock is voiced by Eric Stewart, Misty by Rachel Lillis and you two by Philip Bartlett. Veronica was also Ash's mom in the anime. Yes, and one of my favorite things from the anime is that you always see the mom, and originally a fan theory was that it was Giovanni who was his dad, but then later on they went on to say that Ash's dad is potentially Mr. Mime. Which I don't believe at all because Mr. Mime is a mime, and they're silent, and Ash never shuts the fuck up. Yes, that is true. And also later on, you end up do see a flashback scene where Ash captured Mr. Mime, disproving that theory. But until that episode of the anime came out for the longest time, it mostly stemmed from the fact that like Mr. Mime and his mom have a very like almost like domestic romantic relationship <laughs> with one another. Where when they were on a vacation one time, Mr. Mime's hand was like resting on her inner thigh oh while, they, while they were tra- like going from point A to point B. And just that casualness of that, they were like, something's going on there. And it would explain how, you know, even in terms of like Pokemon anime characters, Ash is a little extra. Yeah, (laughs) I see that. Yeah. Now, this movie was first released in Japan on July 18th of 1998 before coming to America over a year later on November 12th, 1999. What took so long? translations and stuff it used to be horrible they used to like make it for japan audiences yeah release it and then make and this happened for the games as well to the point where as i got heavily into pokemon and i had my own disposable income like a new game like i would say starting in probably diamond and pearl that was the first one that i was like i am not going to wait until like a year after it comes out to be able to play it so i would order it through the Japanese website, because back then the Nintendo DS was, and the Game Boy Advances were not region locked. Yeah. And so I would buy the Japanese game and play the game in Japanese so that I could have a heads up for when it came out in English about a year and a half later. So you pretty much couldn't understand the story and you just knew what the menus were like, right? Yes, I did it mostly through learning and trial and error with Pokemon moves. Luckily, the numbers are the same across all languages, thankfully. Yeah. And, um, just my Pokemon knowledge. I mean, now nowadays I could probably still read like Tackle and Water Gun in Japanese, which is just, <laughs> you know, a talent that will be used nowhere else. Because now, starting in the release of Pokemon X and Y, they do do worldwide releases for most of the for all of the games, and for the movies, they're still sometimes a little bit staggered. But at least I don't have to wait for my games anymore. X and Y was the first generation I played, correct? Yes, it is. That's what I thought. And you've been a convert ever since. Yes. And our own Pokemon is very active this morning, so if you hear any squeaks in the background, that is our little Pokemon running about. Yes, Remy the Puchiana. (laughs) Now, the English version of the movie was produced by Nintendo, of course, and 4Kids Entertainment, and it was licensed by Warner Brothers Pictures. Now, it had a budget of $350 million. Yen, which yes. is about $5 million. I know, but I just sometimes I want to take all the money that we have and bring it over to Japan and convert it to yen just for a moment so it sounds like we're really big ballers. <laughs> yeah. But in US dollars, it had a box office of $172.7 million, clearly ensuring that this really would be just the first movie. Yep. And the movie ended up being three different segments, and I didn't see 
two of the segments until we were preparing for this. One that is very wholesome and fun was Pikachu's Vacation, which is a 21-minute feature focusing on Pikachu and other Pokemon as they go to Adventure Park. Yes. And then it is followed by a 10-minute prologue titled The Origin of Mewtwo, which was not included in the theatrical release due to being too dark, but was later included in the DVD version of Mewtwo Returns. Yeah, it's super dark. (laughs) Yes, and we'll get into that. But then those are both warm-ups for Mewtwo Strikes Back, the 75-minute film feature. Yes, and all of that together is... um, Almost two hours yes. of movie, which is interesting for a kid's movie. Yes, but I know that I took my friends to see this for my birthday, and it had my attention the full time. <laughs> so, But you were also 13 at that point. Yes, I probably was, if your math is correct. It usually is. Yes. So this movie takes place during the first season of Pokemon the Indigo League, which is the first series. You can tell that Ash has received all his badges but has yet to battle in the league, placing it between episode 64 and 74. According to Shudo, certain episodes in the anime were intended to tie in with the movie prior to its release in Japan. However, this was nixed due to delays surrounding the controversy of something called Pokemon Shock. What is that? Yes, well, back in episode 38 in Japan, Deno Senshi Porygon, which is translated to Electric Soldier or Computer Warrior Porygon, depending on the translation. Oh, Porygon is the one that looks like geometric shapes. Yes, it is. And it was shown once in Japan on December 16th, 1997. And visual effects in near the end of the episode induced photosensitive epileptic seizures in a substantial number of Japanese viewers and was referenced as Pokemon Shock. This resulted in 685 children across Japan being hospitalized. Two of them were in the hospital for more than two weeks. So Merry Christmas to them. Now, those of us in the U.S. heard about the urban legend of, you know, flashing lights will give Japanese children epilepsy, but... None of us heard that it was due to Pokemon, which is unless really... you were a Pokemon fan at the time. I knew I knew what it is, but it, it definitely has been something that's been referenced in pop culture to this day. I know that South Park did an episode of it when they were talk covering to Pokemon. They poke fun at the Japanese children having seizures. Uh, Family Guy did something with it as well. So I know it is something that reached the audiences on our coast, whether or not they knew where it came from. And obviously the episode was never shown again, but it also resulted in a four month hiatus from the anime for precautionary reviews, removing the chance of it happening again, but also removing the chance of tie-ins for the movie. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yes, and in promotion for the movie leading up to it, in July of 1998, there was a five-episode radio drama titled The Birth of Mewtwo that was broadcast over the five Sundays leading up to the movie premiere in Japan. It was written by Shudo, and the drama delves into Mewtwo's origin prior to the start of the film, along with the origin of Team Rocket under Giovanni's mother, which would have been cool. She was called Madam Boss. Yeah. And it also mentions the last known whereabouts of Miyamoto, who is Jesse's mother, who is famously absent in the anime. And Jesse oftentimes mentions how she went missing, never to be seen or heard from again. Oh, Jesse, I love me some Team Rocket. Yes. Now, due to its mature themes, it was never dubbed in English, but I'd love to hear it. Yes. And... 
in another promotional material that, of course, they did, even you know that Pokemon was not just an anime or a video game series. It was also a... Trading card game. Yes, and so that was heavily featured during the promotion of the movie. I know select theaters distributed cards with tickets, including Electabuzz, Pikachu, Mewtwo, and Dragonite. As now, a, did you have these movie cards? Yes. Luckily, they gave them all out randomly with your ticket. And so I part of the reason why I brought all my friends to see it on my birthday was not only so that I could watch the movie with my friends for my birthday, but at the end of it, I was like, all right, guys, cough up your cards. Let's see who has one that I didn't get. And I would take their cards as my birthday gift. <laughs> now, were you able to get them all from that day or did you have to trade more to get the ones you need. I was able to get them all from that day. I had enough friends, luckily, back then. Well, that's good. Like, I could see nowadays, like, a whole theater would only get, like, Electabuzz, and you'd have to find somebody that In went to another theater. theater that got the Pikachu, and they would have made it much harder these days. Yes. Now, for the March 2000 home video release, not only did they have a new limited edition Mewtwo card packaged with the video different than the Mewtwo in the movie theaters, but they also had companies like Clorox and Kraft having a contest to win a trip to Japan. And I did not enter those contests, but that would have been fun. So... Either with your mac and cheese or your bleach, you can win a trip to Japan. Yes. Of course, with the mac and cheese, I'm pretty sure it was for the ones that were Pokemon themed, which right, was the thing back then. I was going to say, I remember Pikachu mac and cheese. Yes. Now, one of the biggest promotions, not only in terms of the amount of giveaways that they had that I remember collecting, but also the biggest controversy was Burger King. Burger King had their own kids meal toys to help promote the movie, cards with Pokemon that were not trading card game cards, which I lamented because they were different sizes they didn't fit and they didn't have the moves it wasn't pokemon trading card games it was just pokemon collectible cards cards. yes it seems like a waste at that point i'm sorry i know luckily back then burger king was my mom's idea of cooking as lunch over vacations (laughs) and so i was able to collect all of those cards i think for the most part how many cards were there i want to say it was enough for like two sheets so probably like a couple dozen Uh uh-huh but with your with your meals, you were able to also enter a contest to win one of six 23 karat gold Pokemon cards with the certificate of authenticity signed by Nintendo of America chairman Howard Lincoln. 23 karat gold. I have never heard of such a thing. I've only heard of 24 karat gold. I guess they were just too cheap to, to dish out that extra carrot. <laughs> Now, it gets interesting here because all of these cards were given away in plastic Pokeballs. And I remember that because I just had plastic Pokeballs floating all around the house around that time. (laughs) But on December 11th, 1999, 13-month-old Kira Murphy from California suffocated to death when half the toy became stuck over her mouth and her nose. Twelve days later, a second child in Kansas survived a similar. This led to angry moms making a website titled Pokemon Kills. (laughs) Evil dies tonight! Yes. (laughs) That led to a recall of the toys on December 28th, 1999, adults were urged to discard or return both pieces of the toys, yet nearly a month later, another child suffocated to death because their mom didn't listen, so it's her fault. And But if you returned the Pokeball to Burger King, you got a free small order of french fries. So, it all worked out in the end, right? <laughs> I guess so. I, now, I, but- I had free french fries for months after my, you know, couple dozen Pokeballs. And now, like... These days, if you had kept the balls, are they worth anything? I have no idea. I think they're worth a trip to the ER if you're a child. (laughs) A stupid child. Yes. So um, not only did this movie come out with great success, but it was so successful that during the credits of Pokemon, the movie The Power of Us, released in 2018, it was announced that a remake 
of Mewtwo Strikes Back would be released in full CGI entitled Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, which is funny because we all know Mewtwo doesn't evolve. <laughs> exactly. Mewtwo is just itself. Yes. Now, as the 22nd Pokemon film, they continue to be released in Japan, and it had a box office of $27 million upon its release in July 12th, 2019. And it was later released worldwide on Netflix on Pokemon Day in 2020 on February 27th, becoming the most watched anime title on Netflix that year. And I personally think it is beautiful. It is beautiful. And so when we talk about the movie, we will be talking about a combination of the original anime as well as the Evolution remake. But one thing that the Evolution remake did not have was Pikachu's vacation. Oh, poor Pikachu. No vacation with a remake. I know. And the premise of it is the Ash and Misty and Brock drop off all their Pokemon at a paradise for Pokemon to go on vacation without their trainers. Okay. Before we get into that, I do have a question. Sure. Misty is the gym leader of Cerulean City. And Brock is the gym leader of Pewter City. And in all the animes, they're wandering around who's leading their gyms while they're gone. In Brock's Imputer City, his dad takes over again. And in the anime, Misty's sisters take over. Good. I was just wondering if these kids were like, you know, I have a job, but this other kid seems like it'd be a lot of fun to run around with him. Screw my job. Yeah, no, I I didn't do research into this, but if my memory serves correctly, the whole thing was that Brock was taking care of like his like eight siblings because he had an absentee father who was so moved when he lost to Ash that he decided to step back up as a dad again and take over the gym and take over parenting so that Brock could go on his journey to become a Pokemon breeder. And I actually saw that episode with you. Yes. Meanwhile, Misty, I think, was kind of covering because her three sisters were in the anime, the main gym leaders, and they all, all three were just doing ditzy bimbo stuff. So Misty jumped up and battled with Ash, but she was never actually like the official gym leader at that time. Anyway, she was kind of the understudy for her three sisters. Thank you for your explanation. I appreciate it. Yes. Now, all of them drop their Pokemon off, and it leads me to that question of if they had such a thing for dogs, of basically like a vacation place where Remy can just go and have fun without us for a day or two, would we let him go? No, because the Pokemon, no matter their size, usually have something where they can protect themselves. Yeah. And they're unlike... You know, I'm going to not get hate mail for this. Not all good boys are good boys. Yes, not all dogs are good boys. So you'd be afraid of the snubbles of the the group? Yes, absolutely. While I think that he would make so many wonderful friends and have a fantastic time, I think that there would probably be some poorly behaved things there that would make it hard for the good little boys and girls. Yes, and so... One of the things in this anime that starts off with a vacation with Tokopi being a hungry baby crying and Pikachu and Squirrel are trying to cheer it up with funny faces, which is adorable. It is adorable. Um, And they go off to find food, which Bulbasaur gets before Psyduck eats it. Because Psyduck is the the dummy Pokemon. Yeah. (laughs) And Bulbasaur sings it to sleep in its vines. Yeah. Bulbasaur is a great nanny. Yes, it certainly is. Now, at the time, Tokopi was a big deal uh, because it was the first generation two Pokemon announced. So it was the first one kind of shown in the anime before Gold and Silver came out. 
and also introduced the idea of Pokemon eggs. Since back in Generation 1, there was no such thing as Pokemon breeding or Pokemon eggs or even Pokemon genders except for Nidoran, which is why to this day, Nidoran male and Nidoran female are two different evolutionary paths and not considered the same Pokemon, even though they have the same name. That is fascinating because I do remember the first time I experienced him, I was like, wait a minute. How is that one a, a Nitto King? Why is it? I, I saw the entry for Nitto Queen. How does this happen? And you had to explain it to me. Yes. Now, as it goes from the transition from Tokopi being s- swept off to sleep into the main conflict of the movie, which is the rivalry between Pokemon, Ash's Pokemon and Misty's Pokemon against other Pokemon that I, I appear to be, to be abandoned in that park. Well, I it, Ash and... Misty and Brock just leave them there. So I'm guessing that there's probably a campsite nearby for all the um, trainers. Trainers, Yes, but I see this trippy interlude where it looks like Bellsprout is on literal acid, as was whoever was making it. Um, those were the thing of nightmares, especially that first Bellsprout one. Like, that actually showed up in my dreams the night after we watched this, and I don't ever need to see that again. Yes. Later on, they had ones including Slowpoke's Yawn, Magikarp doing his derpy thing, Chansey cheering, and Jigglypuff's lullaby. But all of these transitions were definitely just something out of an acid trip. Oh, I did not care for them. <laughs> yes. Now, we met, uh, as I mentioned, other rivals for the episode, mm-hmm. so to speak, Snubble and Meryl, for the first time ever. Similarly, they were revealed in this movie, although they were Generation 2 Pokemon, um, and they're friends with Raichu and Cubone. And you were happy to see Cubone in this. Why? Because Cubone looked to be having a good time when he usually doesn't because he's always wearing his dead mother's skull. That is true. Now, I was not a fan of Snubble in this and because I don't care for bullies and Snubble is a bully. Snubble is a bully. It is like the bully Pokemon. That's its kind of shtick. Yeah, n- not a fan. Yes. Meanwhile, I was a fan of Meryl, even though I was a little salty that it ended up beating Squirtle in their swimming race because Goldeen ruined it. But it Goldeen was... did ruin it. But Squirtle being my favorite Pokemon, any chance I got to see it being on screen, I'm a little bit happier. <laughs> and then, of course, Pikachu and Raichu, with Raichu being the Pikachu evolution. Yeah. They have an electric cheek race around the island that's ruined when they piss off Charizard, who... Um, chases after them with fire and things. And then karma gets his head stuck in one of the stone playground things. And you know, nobody likes having their head stuck in things. No, not at all. Luckily, everyone works together to help get him out. Even the bully Pokemon. And in that, um, they- except originally Cubone decides not to help because he's the lonely Pokemon and he's used to being alone. Well, it sounds like he deserved to have his mom die then. Oh, no, maybe that's why he's lonely. You never know. But it ends up that that little Pokemon strength, because Onyx's strength was not enough. Which is crazy to me. A giant rock snake was not enough to pull Charizard out of the hole. But luckily, little tiny baby Cubone goes in, and it's enough strength to bring him out, and they all work together to help rebuild the structures that they broke. Yep, and whenever they all fly out of there, Psyduck does have a 10-point landing. It was impressive. Yes, he does. So what are your thoughts on this as a warm-up or intro for the main movie? You know, I love things where everyone works together, but my summary of it is worst vacation turns into best vacation. Yes, I agree. Uh, Pikachu really only got that last two or three minutes of the episode to be able to enjoy himself. And it feels like um, 
because there were other movies when I was growing up that used to have like five or ten minute short little animated sequences before the movies came out. Yeah. And so Pixar did that for the longest time. Yep. And Disney had it on a couple of theirs before it was Disney and Pixar together. Yeah. And, you know, it, I know they're time fillers, but they're cute. Yes, they certainly are. You know, it wasn't as cute. <laughs> the origin of Mewtwo. Yes. Now, in the origin of Mewtwo, this is a 10 minute short where it begins with researchers hunting Mew in the ruins to find a fossil that lets them clone it. Yeah, because they believe that Mew is extinct. Spoiler alert, he's not. Yes, but they end up finding his like eyebrow or some or a hair of his tail or something like that. that it's lets, a fossil. It's a fossil, <laughs> but it's like a fossil of a piece of Mew. Yeah, which makes me wonder if Mew is a one of a kind Pokemon. How did it have a fossil? So there is only ever one Mew. Generally, yes. Okay, so rule. here is my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, if it can live forever, yeah, and there is only one, then my guess is that it took dino damage at some point mm-hmm. and lost like either a finger, which over time grew back, or because the fossil honestly looks like a tiny little piece of a tail that maybe its tail got whacked off and. Yeah. Um, that's where I think it comes from. All right, I'll take it. Meanwhile, it is enough to make Mewtwo, and we get to meet baby Mewtwo, who's in his little slumber chamber, gaining consciousness, and in his mind, he meets a girl, Amber Two, and she introduces him to the three clone starters, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, and Charmander, and she's beginning to teach him about how the world works. Yes, and the reason that they were doing all this of the cloning and stuff was for Giovanni, the head of Team Rocket. Yes, but the researcher had his own motivations for it, didn't he? He did, because he wanted to find a way to clone his dead daughter back to life. He had her consciousness, Amber too, but was not yet able to figure out a way to do the body. Yes, we see his wife leaving him as he's devoted to his research more than his wife, who insists we can't bring her back. She's dead. No, I have her consciousness. Just bear with me a little bit more, I swear. Yes, and as Amber Two teaches Mewtwo about how the world works, near the end we see uh, Charmander Two fade away and die, followed quickly by Squirtle and Bulbasaur Two, and then Amber Two begins to fade away. And as she fades away, Mewtwo cries, and she shares a legend that Pokemon Tears have magical properties. Listeners, remember this for later. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And then she dies and then they try and make Mewtwo forget it. And while he doesn't remember specifically what happened, he does remember like missing her. Yep. But they've also gone and done pissed him off. They certainly did. And so I, what do you think of this in terms of an opening for the movie? So I do think it's important. I do think it is a little dark, but I also think in terms of today's standards, not the 90s, yeah. but for today, I think it should be included and part of the whole. Yes. One way that I figure they could have made it a little bit, or it still would be as dark as it is, but if instead of showing Pikachu's vacation, then the origin of Mewtwo, and then Mewtwo strikes back, if they just swap the two, start with the origin, let you feel really down, then have Pikachu's vacation build you up and make you happy again, that might make it a little bit better before going into Mewtwo strikes back. Um, And in my mind, I'm like, just scrap Pikachu's vacation, 
put Mewtwo's origin as part of Mewtwo Strikes Back and let it be that. Yes, which they ended up do. They did use at least the very beginning intro. They they scrapped the part with Amber Two and the the clones all being there and then dying, but they did have that intro worked into the introduction for the Mewtwo Strikes Back evolution where we see them finding the fossil. Mm-hmm. Now, getting into the thick of it with Mewtwo Strikes Back. Which is a play on the Empire Strikes Back. Yes. And in that, we see Mewtwo awaken as Dr. Fuji explains his origin as a and Mewtwo is very unsure of his purpose, but he ends up unleashing his power and destroys the lab and likely most, if not all, of the humans in it. Yeah, like he has so many questions about life and creation, and Mewtwo can't handle the existential questions while the humans celebrate their own brilliance. So he tears the house down. And it just made me think of the quote from Jurassic Park. You were so focused on if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, in the wreckage and burning of the island, Giovanni from Team Rocket arrives and convinces Mewtwo to partner with him as the world's most powerful Pokemon to help him control his powers so that he doesn't destroy the world. Yeah, that just seems like a really good thing. And they're like, oh, you'll be able to help us out. But in the, you know that Giovanni is just doing it for destruction and conquest. And, you know, he places the protective arm around him that dampens his powers and uses him to capture Pokemon and battle in gym fights. And Mewtwo keeps having his existential questions about who and what he is. And, you know, something like Mewtwo can only handle being controlled by humans for so long. Exactly. And meanwhile, I was, as we watch Mewtwo, you know, win fight after fight in the gym battles, because in the original game, Giovanni was the gym leader of the eighth. I just wanted to know, though, if Mewtwo is a scientifically engineered Pokemon that isn't like an official Pokemon found in the wild or even a legendary Pokemon that it was created by man, would that be allowed to be used in official gym fights? Because that seems really sketchy to me. Let me consult with the official Pokemon training board. No, that is not allowed. Any gym badges earned through the use of Mewtwo are now forfeit. Well, luckily, <laughs> Mewtwo beat them all underground, so none of them got badges. But I feel like a lot of them should go back and rematch now with Gary, because he ended up taking over as the gym leader in later seasons. <laughs> now, when Giovanni eventually pushes Mewtwo too far by saying he was made by humans to serve humans, Mewtwo does not like that, does he, babe? <laughs> no. That's just one of those things, again, where earlier he didn't like them celebrating that they, made him. that they made him. So you're just going to piss him off again. So YouTube destroys the base and runs off to an island. And during the conversation, though, he posits that as a man-made creation, he is not necessarily a complete Pokemon either. What do you think? I would think he's more Pokemon than human for sure. But the fact that he has extra powers, I would say that he like, especially being that I know from the games, he is a Pokedex entry. He is recognized as a Pokemon. He definitely is. He earns his legendary status and it's a little more complicated than just being a a Pokemon of legend. But I think that, you know, the same way that you can either be born a legend or made a legend, he's made into a legend through his actions. And it's also weird that he can, um, telepathically communicate in English. Yes. 
But we do see as the as the series goes on and as the worlds become bigger and bigger, he's not the only Pokemon that has that ability either. Yeah. But now we meet Ash from Pallet Town, which they always in the animes make sure to say Ash from Pallet Town. Yes, for sure. He is hanging out with Misty and Brock, who are stopping for a bite to eat when a pirate challenges Ash to a battle over the opening credits. <laughs> Stranger danger, but we do get a good opening credit theme song. Yes, and in the original, the pirate looks more like a swashbuckly pirate with a big old pirate hat and like very like pirate, while in the evolution, he's more of like a cool modern-day hipster pirate. Yeah. And another difference that you'll notice during the opening scenes is that he originally has a golem that's swapped out for a drowsy for, for reasons. But I understand that this was more to be visually appealing during the opening, but it also does make me wonder or realize how different battles in the anime are than in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, as much as I love Squirtle, there is no way that one of his water guns would one hit KO a Machamp of any level. Yeah, that I, I was like, wait a minute, like water gun isn't really that good. No, and it's not like it's super effective against a fighting type either. So it really is basically all about the plot in the anime. You'll oftentimes see in the anime, like Ash will use a Pokemon that has like a four times weakness against an opponent, but because through the sheer will of determination, like the time that Pikachu's electricity somehow managed to make uh, Brock's Onyx faint in the gym battle because he set off the sprinklers. I'm like, no, it's still ground and electricity doesn't go through ground no matter what kind of water is over the electricity. It's the power of friendship. Exactly. So the power of friendship comes into play a lot more in the anime than it does in the video games. And that is okay because it's all fiction, but it is kind of funny. Hopefully kids aren't watching the anime going, okay, I need to remember this for later and then get owned real hard. Yeah. Although that would be funny. (laughs) Well, Dragonite, one of the most powerful Pokemon in the original games, shows up. (laughs) Dragonite's a glorified mailman here and invites Ash and his companions to a party with the world's greatest Pokemon trainer. Of course they accept. Of course they do. Our heroes arrive at Old Shore Wharf, which is not an in-game town, amidst a bad storm that Mewtwo created. And it doesn't, like, it's called Old Shore Wharf, and so you would be expecting, like, sailing vessels that have, like, actual cloth sails and docks made out of wood. No, it's a very modern port. (laughs) It is. But because of the storm, the ferry to New Island is canceled. But what storm? Who created this storm? Yeah, and uh, Mewtwo. (laughs) And it doesn't stop a handful of trainers from braving the storm anyway, using their Pokemon to get across. But as we're seeing them go, we also get a little sidebar that if they end up getting injured, that there is no Nurse Joy at the Pokemon Center that can help them because she's been missing a week. Oh, no. And you know what's funny is she looks so familiar to someone we've already seen. Yes, I wonder whether that will relate. It doesn't stop for Brock going all horny over her poster, just like he is for literally every woman in the anime except Misty. Yeah, Brock needs to learn the word no. I know. Like, he is very modern-day creepy. I know. The the Me Too movement really hurt Brock. (laughs) Well, the good thing is Vikings, who are clearly Jesse and James, offer to take them across in a boat that you can tell are not going to make it. And I love anytime Team Rocket shows up in disguise and they perform a Broadway number. I do have a theory about them. 
Yes, and you got the theory watching Evolution where they're singing Sailors in a mechanical lacrosse that looks a little bit more stable. Yep, even though it ends the same way with him crashing and they have to use their Pokemon to make it the rest of the way. Yes, but but why do they sing, perform, and use costumes so often in their tricks and schemes? So Jesse and James were attending Juilliard. They were Broadway-bound. But then Giovanni refused to pay any more of their tuition unless they captured Ash's Pikachu. So they had to turn to a life of crime and recruited their friend Meowth, who had just been cut from the company of cats. And what is actually not known is that Meow is actually a human who had severe plastic surgery for a role he felt he was born to play. And he is only, you know, pretending to be a Pokemon because... Other than Mewtwo, he's the only Pokemon that can talk. So it makes more sense that he's actually a human that had severe plastic surgery to make himself look like a cat to star in Cats. And I love your theory. I do hate to say that later on in this movie, it discredits it when a piece of fur off of its tail recreates a actual Meowth Pokemon. Well, what do you think that they used for his severe plastic surgery? Parts of chopped up Meowth. Oh, no, that makes it even darker, babe. Well, that's perfect for this movie. (laughs) Yes. Meanwhile, Mew arrives on the island, as our heroes do, as if he's drawn to Mewtwo, and we see his playful personality on the fan-looking turbine thingy. I know. I love Mew so much. Like, he just seems like the type of thing that you would want around, but he's childlike and just excited about everything, and I like Mew. Yes. She has many of those qualities with Remy. It does. Now, we learn that the attendant helping Mewtwo is Nurse Joy, although (gasps) I know they really held that mystery for a while, didn't they? Although she insists that she's been there since the beginning. Hmm. Now, how do you feel about Mewtwo making Nurse Joy a zombie slave? Well, normally humans are going around left and right making Pokemon their slaves. I guess Turnabout is fair play. And this way Nurse Joy gets a bigger part in the movie that mainly she would have been in for 30 seconds when they're like... Would you like to heal your Pokemon? Exactly. Doon, 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 doon. Yep. Now, we meet all the trainers that made it and their Pokemon before they meet Mewtwo. Meanwhile, Mew follows Team Rocket in through the lower levels. Through the sewer, which Jesse is not pleased about. Nope. And while the trainers are exchanging words with Mewtwo upstairs as he villain speaks, <laughs> Team Rocket stumbles upon the clone farm downstairs where Meowth does get cloned. Yep, because of the fur that he had transplanted on him from an actual Meowth. Yes, now Mewtwo summons his clone Pokemon of Charizard, Blastoise, and Venice upstairs to battle the trainers. And I... Do you, do you know why Charizard doesn't listen? To, have you, are you keen to that bit of the anime, or did I not make you watch that many episodes? I don't know, but I know that Mewtwo makes a comment of what an awful trainer he is, and that he's just, if he was a better trainer, his Pokemon would have listened to him. Yes, well, it actually is a call. Oftentimes the anime and the video game are two separate entities, and the rules, as we talked about with Pokemon battles, work very differently. Mm-hmm. But do you remember when we were playing some of the games when I would trade you a Pokemon, and after you used it and used it and used it, it started not listening to you in battle? Right, because I had gotten too highly leveled, leveled for it. And you didn't have enough gym badges right, to be able to get it to listen to you. Ash's Charizard was originally a Charmander that was traded to him, and as it leveled up faster than Ash could 
keep up with the gym battles. Yeah. It eventually became part of his personality type that Charizard was just a dick because everyone loved seeing him be a dick to Ash and like <laughs> blow him up in uh, flames left and right. But it all did start because the whole idea is that Ash was underleveled and unable to control such a powerful Pokemon as such a noob. I like that. Yes. Now, as the trainers use their Pokemon to battle against the clones, the clones win, and Mewtwo takes and captures their Pokemon to become clones. Which is interesting, because there's like that dude bro trainer that's there and says, Pokemon can't be Pokemon trainers. And Mewtwo's like, little boy, I shall take all your Pokemon. And he does. He takes them all one by one until Pikachu is the last. They have that crazy scene where Pikachu is running up the stairs trying to avoid the Pokeballs and Ash is following him. Oh, that was such a good scene that, you know, he had to stop electrify and then run again. And it was done really, really well. It was eventually though. Pikachu does get captured into the Pokeball and, Ash follows it down the chute to the basement as they all begin getting cloned. And we get to see how that is made as they're cloned one by one. And they pop up on the screen in a silhouette form and team rocket gets to go. Who's that Pokemon, which is from the anime. That's how they, and they had commercial breaks where they started. But during the original team rocket misidentifies some of the Pokemon like calling Skyther Alakazam sand slash. They called sand shrew and there was one more that they got wrong, but they got three Pokemon names wrong and it made it to release. Well, by the time they do the evolution, yeah, they, get them, all they right. get them all right. So in 30 years time or 20 years time, Team Rocket learned some stuff. Yes, they did. And that was the reason why they kept it in the original. The creator said like they realized that it was wrong, but because it was coming from Team Rocket, they could see them getting it wrong. Uh-huh. So they didn't bother fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the same way, like after this podcast, if I make a fuck up and it makes it to air, I'll be like, I left it there on purpose. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> exactly. Now, Ash frees the Pokemon after they're cloned, destroys the cloning machines and brings them back upstairs for the final confrontation. Yes. And that is. Um, Ash rushes Mewtwo yep. and is about to be thrown to his death before Mew saves it with a magic bubble. Then he makes another bubble just to bounce on it, being all cute and shit. <laughs> and Mewtwo battles with Mew, who acts like they're playing a game of catch. If Mew was one of a kind, like you said, how did they find a fossil? But we know it's because it was a piece of that Mew. Yep. And that makes where I didn't know before this discussion, though, that it is one of a kind. So, like, if I'm guessing that in the anime, nobody ever keeps Mew in a Pokeball. Like, he just exists. Well, you can... you can Actually, you can't even really catch him in the main games. He's just handed out by distribution. Oh. And so, of course, you know, because it's a Pokemon and it's games that everyone can get their own one, right. but cannot... Like, in the lore of Pokemon, the same way, like, Arceus is the god Pokemon, there's only one. Every time you battle a legendary Pokemon in the climax of the finale, it's the only one. Of course, you when you go online and you battle other people, they all have those Pokemon... But in canon, like in the lore of the universe, they're one of a kind Pokemon and Mew is one of those the same way Mewtwo is one of a kind because he was only made once. It wasn't a clone factory where they made a billion Mewtwo for every player out there, as you see in the games. And now in the anime, though, each of the like, can anyone capture the legendary? Do they just exist in the wild? You can capture them in most games like there's a no, like in the cartoon. Yes. Has Ash ever captured one of the legendary? 
Not that I know of. I believe that in Sun and Moon, how they had, or no, maybe in Sword and Shield, but where they have like world destroying Pokemon, like they've captured them before to kind of like put them away to sleep where it's not like it's on his team and he's battling using legendary Pokemon, Mm -hmm. but they have like got them in Pokeballs, but then like they put them away somewhere so that they can be like put away. Interesting. Now, when it comes to Mew versus Mewtwo, which one's actually stronger? Well, they have different benefits to one another. Mewtwo definitely has more raw power because of the way its stats are distributed in the game. It is designed as more of a attack sweeper with higher special attack and higher speed than Mewtwo has, which means it's going to be more likely to act first and use more powerful moves than Mewtwo. However, Mew is known, and it's the only Pokemon even now out of the billion and five Pokemon out there (laughs) that can learn every single TM move or hidden machine move out there. So it can know literally any single move while Mewtwo still has its own batch of moves at its disposal. So you can learn its moves. You can learn how to work around its moves. You can, you know, knowing that it's a psychic type, you can wall it with a dark Pokemon or a steel Pokemon or something where it would be not effective or not very effective. While mute, while Mew, you technically never know what it is that it's going to throw at you. It can use all types of any sort of moves because the idea is that it has the DNA of every single Pokemon in it. So it could really just come down to what moves each one's using as to which one wins. Exactly, yes. That's how it works in the game. In the anime, it seems to be a very even match, though, as we see them fight through the climax, doesn't it? It does, but it it also seems to be pretty much an even match on the battlefield when it's clone versus the original. Why is that? Well, because they're using the same Pokemon, and we all know like, if you're a fire Pokemon using fire moves against another fire Pokemon, it's not going to be very effective. It's not very effective. Not to mention that none of these Pokemon seem to be using moves at all. They're just using Bitch Slap. <laughs> Which is so... in Like, all they're doing is tiring each other out. And, like, that just seems to be a thing of they're fighting and fighting until they're like a toddler that refuses to nap. Yeah, and it becomes more heartbreaking as you see, like, especially, like, the Pikachus, because, like, Ash's Pikachu doesn't want to battle, but, like, it has to, like, try it tries to defend itself <laughs> as the other Pikachu keeps bitch-slapping the hell out of him. You see all these Pokemon where there clearly is no winner. Everyone is losing on both sides. Now, there are differences between the original and the evolution. What was that? The music playing in the background, and this changes, of course, from region to region as well, because... In Japan, they were using like Japanese like pop music right. that was popular at the time. In the in the English version, they had "Brother, My Brother" playing, which I remember being slower and sadder than when I rewatched it. But I do just remember having like the the music about like you know why are we fighting each other mm-hmm. and being really sad. While you preferred the orchestral version in Evolution, didn't you? I did because I felt that it matched the seriousness of the situation. Because whenever we listen to the brother, my brother, I was like, that seems a little too fast for what's going on here thematically. Yes, exactly. But it does show just whether you like the orchestral version or the, the song version better just goes to show that like what I didn't like in the evolution is before the orchestra started playing it. There was just the absolute silence, Uh, which I thought was just, I loved that because I think it amped up the severity of it that, all you heard and saw were just the fights. Yeah, and it just goes to show how important sound design can be in a movie. Yep. 
Now, as all the Pokemon basically faint or get worn out, and Mewtwo and Mew are preparing a massive attack on one another, what does Ash do, babe? He, being the smart, smart trainer that he is, jumps into the middle of their blast and gets turned into stone. Yes. Now, Pikachu tries to thunderbolt him back to life, but we all know electric moves aren't very effective against ground and stone. Pikachu and all the other Pokemon, originals and clones alike, begin to cry over Ash's sacrifice, and their tears all come together to revive him, just like Abby 2 hinted in the cut origin of Mewtwo. The first time I saw this, it really got me. Like, I just... The pain that Pikachu was going through yeah. and how his anguish spread to all the other Pokemon that they could feel his hurt. Mm-hmm. Like that was so deep because when I was watching it, I was like, that's how Remy would be if we were hurt. Yeah. If something ever happened to you and he, you know, he would just be like, daddy, daddy, wake up, daddy, wake up. Oh, it just killed me. Yes. Ac- across all of this, Mewtwo realizes that, All of them involved are living beings and that the circumstance of your birth isn't what counts. It's what you do with your life. Yep. He prepares to take all the clones to an island where they can live their own lives, returning our protagonists and their Pokemon back to the time before they leave for New Island with no memories of what transpired there and Nurse Joy is returned as well. Exactly. Yes. And as Ash and his friends are looking out at the clouds, as the storm is now over in this new timeline, Ash does see Mew from the clouds and reminisces on how he saw a legendary Pokemon the very first day he set out on his journey. And he feels like he just saw another one then and there. And I remember back when he set out on his journey, he was horrible at catching Pokemon. Yes. He's still not so great, but he's gotten better. Thank goodness for Pikachu winning him all those badges. Yes. Well, and that's one thing I like about the new way that they're they're doing it in the Sword and Shield anime is that Ash is just not concerned about catching them all. He has no interest in catching them all. He just wants to battle to get the strong Pokemon needed to win the badges. While Go, his partner, is the one who catches Pokemon left and right. And like he actually does like every episode he catches like three or four Pokemon. <laughs> like if they run across a Pokemon, he's like, I'm going to catch it. I'm like, that's what... Ash should have been doing for this entire time being that his last name is literally catch him. <laughs> but I do like that in the new anime, how they do have a trainer going along with him who is actually focused on catching Pokemon. So it's kind of like when you and I both started or when I started playing, you were Ash. I was Ash and, and I was, and I was just like over leveling my Pokemon so that I could win everything without having to catch anything. Yes. Now, how do you feel about the ending with Mewtwo in terms of him going off to live on his own and realizing that, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's what you do with your life. A true story. Yes. (laughs) B. I think that that is good for him that he has this time to be by himself or with the other Pokemon just existing away from humans And he can put some real thought into his life and what he wants to do. And I think we all need some Mewtwo Island sometimes. Yes, exactly. Now, if they were to remake, because there is Mewtwo Returns in the movies, which you haven't seen yet in the anime, but if they remade it as an evolution, would you want to watch it? Of course, because I personally loved the animation in the evolution version of this. I loved the computer aspect of it. I even liked the people and their 3D aspect to all of them. I thought it was beautifully well done. The only time that Pokemon have looked any better was in Detective Pikachu. Yeah, 
I agree. And speaking of Detective Pikachu, that is next on our docket, isn't it? It is. Yes. And so we would love to hear your thoughts on this original and the remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back. So let us know by emailing us at happylifepod at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the socials, whether that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok at happylifepod. Yes, and stay tuned next week for Detective Pikachu as we solve the mystery of where the dad went. (laughs) Which is a horrible name. (laughs) Detective Pikachu and the mystery of where my dad went. Yes. (laughs) I don't, but... Who knows? I guess we'll find out together. I guess we'll find out together next week. And until that time, everyone, stay stay happy. You're still here, which is great, because there's something we probably forgot to mention this episode. That is correct. Each episode, as we're discussing movies, music, and games, there's a good chance we've used a small clip or two from the original source material. Yes, and those clips are not ours. We do not own the rights to any of the music or clips. They were used to help solicit a discussion to appreciate the original source material. And with that, if you are still listening, you likely really appreciate our material as well. I mean, how could you not? And if you've enjoyed this episode, then you should also ask yourself, when's the last time I told a friend to check out A Lifetime of Happiness? If your answer was not today, well, it should be. Yes, so go tell your best girlfriend about our podcast today, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening to get new episodes each Wednesday. Stay happy.